We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the cave trolls. Gold to the uh, cod piece sex team. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to pop in whatevs and get in this bitch. Um, never as good as the original, which didn't have a title. It was just, oops, in quotes. <laughs> what was the, was what was the, the original name of Fifty Shades of Grey when it was just fan fiction? Do you remember? Oh, my God. That's a great question. When it was just a fanfic? It was something I want to like say that. it was the like, same title. No, right? no, it was a different title no? originally. Yeah. All right, look it oh, up. Original I'm... title to Fifty Shades. Is it EY or AY? Master of the Universe. That's what it was called. Master of the Universe. I have heard that before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is the hard-hitting stuff. If you didn't know, this is the Cave Trolls podcast. <laughs> Your only source for TTRPG news. And it's uh, such a hard-hitting news show. I want you to know that sometimes we'll cover news from this week. And there's so much news and exciting things that we just cover one little itty-bitty news show. And then next week, we'll cover all the other stuff we didn't cover, which is what's happening this week. This week, we're just talking about um, the D&D Summit that happened recently and we know there's a bunch of one D&D news. We know there's a bunch of Dimension 20 news. Brennan Lee Mulligan got married. They announced a new setting <laughs> for Critical Role. Um, there's a bunch of really cool stuff. Oh, they even, like, the one D&D news specifically was, like, <laughs> there's no one D&D, basically. So, like, there's basically. lots of cool stuff to talk about. But this week we're covering the Creator Summit. Next week we're covering all of that news. So if you're disappointed, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just low guy. Okay, I just little guys. <laughs> I can only do so much. Okay, there, there's only so many hours in a day. Um, I, I am your host Terry Smith. With me, as always, is one half of the Slavenly Trolls, Charday. Charday, how are you doing today? I'm doing great and on time. Also, just a little guy. Like, uh, just also little just guy, little guy. Doing, doing their best on time. Like, I, I'm proud of it. <laughs> Lissa, nowhere to be found. We don't know. Uh, the you authorities know are is. looking for her. Um. <laughs> um if lissa if you hear this come home come home it's okay <laughs> we miss you we miss you it, it, it all is forgiven okay just we just well, want to know you're okay not like all but like most <laughs> most most know? of it is we can talk no, most, there's, can there's something <laughs> we are pissed okay <laughs> <laughs> we're actually really pissed you don't stay away we don't need you <laughs> <laughs> oh man um just at the risk of lissa popping in in the next few minutes let's cover her game that she picked okay. we're only going to cover a few bits and bobs because we're doing the creator summit stuff this week so we'll mm -hmm. cover hers last so first up we're in our bits and bobs section this is where we talk about all the bits and bobs that have been released this week new games and their different expansions first up we're talking about vermis uh did you get a chance to read any of these do you know what vermis, vermis. is I didn't because I was helping you check your mic levels. How dare you? <laughs> learn, learn to read. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm, some people's kids. So this comes <laughs> from Dice Breaker. Uh, Matt Jarvis, editor-in-chief over there, did a little write-up about um, Vermis. Inspire your next D&D campaign with Vermis, a guidebook to a Dark Souls-like video game that does not exist. Um, basically, huh. make a saving throw against the Mandela effect. 
Um, oh, I, God. I know. I love this idea so much. So, essentially, it's a guidebook for a game, that, like a Dark Souls-like. So, one of those really hard games where you have to get a bunch of souls to level up and make it back to a, uh-huh. um, uh, like a uh, like a camping spot, like a, a, a fire pit. And then you can level up, and then you go back. And when you, when you level up, all of the monsters you've killed come back to life. That's the idea of a Souls-like. Mm-hmm. And the combat's pretty mm-hmm. difficult. And this is a game that doesn't exist. It's never existed. And they put this full guidebook together. And it's such a meta idea. So it's a guidebook for a campaign setting that's based on a video game, none of which Mm -hmm. has ever existed. So it's like, hey, do you like this one part of this game that we're making up right now? Um, I don't want to say too much more because you you need to go and read this if that idea inspires you like you've got it enough but they have little excerpts from the game and like little items and uh like oh you you know that favorite npc that everyone loves yeah this is how you put them in your game um i i love all of it go check out vermis does this do anything for you char it sounds like um, how to gaslight your players mm-hmm. in 10 steps or less, which is very <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> um, and it's it's a classic um, uh, like setting guide. So like it's got some stats and it's got a few other things that you can add in there. But a lot of the stats are like for the the made up game um oh okay yes which is which is really cool so it's definitely uh inspiration the book you know i wouldn't say this is all you need to run a campaign by any means um but for uh, all the gms i mentioned to like oh yeah yeah no i'm gonna pick up that like that just sounds cool (laughs) to have like at the table kind of thing um um, i i've linked to um the article i'm not quite sure where to buy it yet if you if you know that i haven't done my homework yet it's because i haven't bought it yet um Mm -hmm. but i think yeah for 15 uh for 15 euros you can pick it up so pretty cheap nice um from hollow press and i'll i'll link the the place where you, the portal that you can buy it at in here so you can go purchase it if you want to and let us know what your favorite parts of that video game are um were you playing it on the pico 8 or were you playing <laughs> it um on on steam if you don't know sharp the pico 8 is the non-existent game console that a bunch of different indie collectives were quote-unquote making games for um that are basically like in in browser games uh that inspired many many big uh indie games that got full releases like celeste was originally developed for the pico 8 oh the more you know i did not know that <laughs> the mandela effect it goes all the way around uh, we can talk about oh this god um, oh no <laughs> Uh, also, need a different name for the Mandela effect. Most of the time, when I talk to people about the Mandela effect, it's just pe- just like racist people that don't know the history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need to talk to more people, is. Terry. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But like a lot of it is like where they're like, "Oh, Nelson Mandela." I'm like, "Yeah, it just sounds like you didn't pay attention." Um, some yeah. things like the Berenstein Bears, sure, but the fact that it oh. started like the name, the Mandela effect, and all that, I'm like, mm, I think you're just really white, is really what I think it comes. <laughs> Um, I mean, yeah. Right. But anyways, moving on, the next one is the T2 RPG, which is a new expansion for the Terminator 
RPG uh, game, which is exactly what it sounds like. This is an RPG um, made-to-run Terminator games. And the new expansion adds everything from Terminator 2, Judgment Day, a fucking amazing movie. Really, really cool. It's got all the different Terminators you want. It's got the different heroes. It's got time-traveling mechanics. It's a bespoke system. It's the D10. I think it's called it the SR2 system, I believe, or something like that. Um, uh, but it's a bespoke D10 system, really fucking neat. And if you like Terminator or any of those action, you know, eighties action movies, it's got all the stuff you need in there. Um, so I have a link to the T2 Kickstarter, but you can go and buy the first book as well. If you want to just run your own adventures. Oh, nice. Char, do you care about Terminator? No, not even a little bit. I could not care less about John Connor in the plight of the future. That doesn't mean anything. I've never seen one Terminator movie. Um, so any reference that you make is going to go right over my head. You've never seen any of the Terminator movies? Not not a single one, no. Sometimes I think you revel in your ignorance. How have you never seen a Terminator movie? I don't revel in it. I just you haven't revel. seen a lot of these big so action movies because I'm just not an action movie well, the first person. One I haven't seen... Is kind of a horror movie, so it makes sense that you've never seen the first one. The first one is oh, not gross, really an yeah. action movie. The first one is, like, scary. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a bad guy, and then the twist in the second one is you see the bad guy, but he's actually been changed to a good guy, um, oh. and he protects them. That's the big twist. The first movie is about Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator from the future, sent back in time to kill this lady, and she doesn't know why. And it's super scary. It's this robot that, that's killing people, can't be stopped. Um, and a guy from the future, this general is sent back in time to protect this woman because she's pregnant with the general that <laughs> sent him back in time. Basically the savior of humanity It's a really okay. cool timey wimey script. And it Wibbly turns wobbly. out yeah. he was sent back in time because he is the general's dad. They fall in love stopping that Terminator from killing Sarah Connor. Wow. I know. It's it's really cool. It's honestly, it it works. And for a horror movie, it was really, really cool at the time. And then Terminator 2 is about this little kid who grew up with this mom who, like, they were on the run the whole time because anybody could be a Terminator. And he's supposed to grow up to be this great general, but he doesn't know anything about doing anything. And the mom's just, like, hooking up with guys who can show him how to reload a gun properly (laughs) or anybody who can, like, get them, like, keep them on the run. And it's about him trying to live up to this legacy. And then the Terminator comes back in time and they think it's going to kill him but actually it, it was changed from the future and it's going to protect him but it also becomes this father figure but it's a robot so it can't like um, it's so good dude I, I I know that you're not into it but it's really good the, but I will I'm tell really... you this end of what's good about Terminator the rest of the movies are real bad and there oh, are that's... several more I mean it's really hard like when you know that there's a franchise it's just like okay where did it go wrong like I, I'm hearing all this good stuff but yeah where 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 was the turning point (laughs) (laughs) there's like two really good movies in it and the the shittier part about it is all the expansive stuff there's really good ideas in all of them like in the third one there's uh like the the movie it's bunk it's terrible it's not good there's some okay bits of acting um and then the ending is fucking amazing like genius great empire strikes back like twist at the end we're like, well, mm-hmm. this should have been the movie. Like, let's fucking the rest of the song. Yeah. <laughs> and then they made two more after that. <laughs> uh, well, of course they did because they want to make more money and capitalism sucks. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And James Cameron just kind of like wrote it off a little bit. So he didn't care enough to do more of it. Um, and then there's a show that did two seasons on Fox, which was pretty good, which means Fox canceled it. 
Oh, right. I forgot about the show. I yeah. did remember the, the show. The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, yeah. It was like Buffy, but with Terminators. And it had uh, Summer Glass <laughs> in it. Um, and she was pretty good. Summer oh, Bob and, um, and uh, Cersei from Game of Thrones was Sarah Connor. Really? Yeah. Oh, how about yeah. you know? She was also very good in it. Do, do, do. Um, so this is the Terminator show. Thank you so much for, um, for <laughs> I was attempting to vamp to see if Lissa showed up, and she still did not. Um, so we're going <laughs> to jump into her pick for this week, which was uh, the Vineyard RPG. The queer undead crime mob campaign setting and guidebook ah. for 5e and Cobalt Press's core fantasy role-playing Project Black Flag. Um... This is pretty cool. Um, your game needs compelling villains, sexy villains, gross villains, mysterious villains, and we've got them. Each of our nine villains yeah. has a bio, staff block, layer, dialogue, plot hooks, beautiful art, and that's just the start. Um, so it's got a full, like, uh, gothic campaign guide uh, that's queer as fuck. It's got the gothic horror. It's right up Lissa's vibe specifically, which is why oh, she added it. Oh, for sure. But also looking at it, I was like, oh, this sure. is actually pretty dope um and relatively cheap so you can get in there for um i think ten dollars without a reward forty dollars for the digital pdf and all the other goodies that they talked about in there um mm -hmm. i don't know how much it costs to get the physical right it looks like it gets more expensive so maybe not so cheap not so cheap 65 bucks gets you the hardcover so that's not quite cheap but the artwork alone kind of makes it worth artwork it. is beautiful um, i love the concept because i'm always about better villains especially um villains that make the players question what they're doing <laughs> right and like, which kinda, is Brett great yeah and they downplay it a little bit like they, they focus on the villains but they have a couple other things in there they've added a few mechanics like the whisperborn lineage um and mm. uh like wasting sickness uh which Ooh. is like a new disease that they've added in there they, they've put some serious uh thought into this the secret mechanics uh which i'm not going to get into because they're secret but basically for like Keeping secrets at the table, secrets with the GM is pretty cool. And then <sighs> several locations and um, boilerplate contracts on how to um, to develop your own. So it's it's way more in-depth than a lot of these Kickstarters, which was the surprising thing as I started looking into it. Because mm -hmm. um, at first I was like, ah, 40 bucks. Um, but the amount of stuff that they tossed in there, I'm like, oh, this is kind of worth it. So I definitely yeah. would uh, say go back this project, if nothing for those sweet like uh 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 what's what's the name dorian gray style uh paintings like everyone has their own oh yes totally dorian gray style yeah. yeah 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 so i recommend those if nothing just to put them in the background of your next like uh ravenloft campaign Ooh, yeah they definitely could fit like very easily into like a ravenloft gothic horror vibe just even looking through the art um so go check that out um that's from uh friday strout over on kickstarter so i'll link that there um and with that i think nice. my hosting duties are done i think this is all on you Charday. this week me? i asked you to go and tell me everything about okay. this thread of the creator summit and everything that was going on because it was all exploding on D&D uh, &D Twitter and TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, and I was covering other news. That's why our show's already planned for next week. So um, <laughs> you, you got that covered. <laughs> right. Like, I was ready to go. And you're like, I think we should just talk about this. It's so big. I was like, I think you're right. So without further ado, <laughs> tell me what happened. 
Oh, man. And I think there are really good discussion points going forward as well. So this is not just going to be the Chardet story time. This is going to be the Chardet and Terry talk about what the fuck this means. Because oh, no, actually, I have a meeting. I was just going to. I was just going to. Oh, OK. Just going to chew now and yeah. just let me diatribe. Yeah. This is going to be a lot shorter then. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can definitely discuss. I, mean, I read through the doc. I, I've caught up on the news. So you're good. Okay, to go. good. I did cut out some stuff that probably just it, mostly stuff that we already knew because they like reiterated a lot of stuff in the summit so this is more about what people were talking about online we kind of figured out maybe what the summit was which was a big question that we right. all had um so we'll just go through it so the summit was on april 3rd and they invited 32 people in person and they had about 80 to 90 virtual attendants so a lot of a lot of people went to this thing a lot of and virtual they also that weren't heard <laughs> yes i will get into that don't you worry because that was a huge gripe people had who were virtual attendants which was 75 percent yeah that was like the big thing that i saw this week was yes they're like yeah i got to go it didn't matter that i went <laughs> yeah oh 100 that's when i think lissa and i were on a zoom call when this happened because it was right after um our D D game which got pushed to monday so we were on a zoom call together and on twitter at the same time when this was <laughs> so we're just like wait what's happening oh my god and that's why i messaged our discord like we gotta talk about this like a lot of stuff's happening so uh so yeah 32 in person 80 90 virtual we found out that the criteria there was criteria that people had to reach in order to get invited in person and that criteria was said to be um people who were very vocal about accessibility and inclusion as well as folks who have publishing credits larger streams and sizable media presences so kind of what we were hypothesizing about right, oh well right. who gets in person who gets online um what is the barrier of entry i don't think it was follower count i think it was you know who had the most engagement with their community and who was the most outspoken or the most like active on whatever platform that they had about probably wizards specifically and about all the stuff that's been happening recently and in the, to try to maybe answer the question of what the fuck was this thing um wizards themselves said that it was a quote trial run to encourage open listening does that sound vague to you because it sounds very vague i to love me. the idea that they're like we should try <laughs> listening to people we should, we, yeah let's give it a trial run let's see if this works we're not going to commit to anything. We're just going to be like, well, this, even if it goes terribly, this is a trial run. I thought it was a very like PR. Uh, we're going to absolve ourselves from any criticism by calling it a trial run kind of vibe. I love whenever you have a community of people and you're like, let's just treat them like guinea pigs. Let's just try it. I mean, who's better at doing that than Wizards of the Coast and <laughs> TNT at this My point, My children's really. school is really good at going, we're just going to try something with your children. Is that okay? <laughs> good. We're going to give it a shot. Oh, my God. Is your school run by Wizards of the Coast? Uh, <laughs> no, it'd be a exclusive? way cooler school. As much as I have problems with Wizards of the Coast, it would be pretty neat if my kid was like, yeah, imagine the gathering class today. Uh. <laughs> that would be pretty rad or like you get a you get a magic card every time you get an a and you have to collect them all you know i would love that i think my kids would that'd be great shit because they don't like magic the gathering if it's a pokemon card man they'd be yeah pokemon fun. card a digimon card like anything to get the kids to collect them all and do Let's just Better figure out how to make a rad ass school real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd school. You do so well. And the state would totally let us get away with all of that because of Common Core. I, I, anyway. I don't, I don't think uh, the state cares. I don't think that, that's the lesson here. 
That's the lesson. Don't try anything new or innovate anything ever. Um, <laughs> they did also say that this is not going to be the only summit, and they are hopefully planning another summit for Gen Con, but the details of that are very up in the air. It's not so the nothing trial concrete. run went okay, then, is what you're saying. Eh, well, kind of, maybe. It's the trial like, succeeded. It, I think a word to describe it would be lukewarm <laughs> because there were some good things that were happening, but there were also some bad things that were happening, and they were about 50-50, so it just kind of met in the middle, at least from the impressions that I was getting. So from what we know, how it was formatted, you know, you had the in-person people, you had the virtual people, and it was split into three different sessions. There was a informal office hours Q&A, which was supposed to be 30 minutes, but was extended because the people who were attending, who they invited, were like, 30 minutes is not enough. We want to talk more about, you know, what we came here to talk about. So kudos to them for making that longer and pushing for more questions to be answered, even if not all questions were answered. Uh, the second session was just about D&D Beyond. And then the third session was about the virtual tabletop and 1D&D. And we're not going to talk about what they talked about for 1D&D. We're going to move that to next week so we could just all have like a 1D&D like thing that Bonanza. we talk about. So Bonanza. 1D&D. What's the word that starts with D? Diatribe. <laughs> it doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> Oops. Um, but another thing to note for the last uh, session of the day, session three, they also added an additional supplementary Q&A, again, because creators who were attending started pushing back and being like, we didn't come here to hear about virtual tabletop and 1D&D. We came to talk about the issues that you told us to talk about. And so there was this really like back and forth between creators and between people who are running the event in a very expectations versus reality kind of vibe because nobody really knew what this was yeah and um there were some creators <clears throat> that were specifically credited for like leading this charge that connie chang was one of them um a creator by the name of jay who is at nala Wu, and i know um critical bard was also a big one daniel like, kwan was who... the other name i saw floating around there too that was like, yeah daniel hey, kwan he had a great thread, and a lot of the information I'm pulling is from – let me pull up which threads I got most of this from. Daniel Kwan's thread, His Final Thoughts, um, How Not to DM, um, who is Derek, <laughs> yeah, and great, great Amber, who is the spell, the space jammer. I was supposed to say spell jammer. The space jammer. <laughs> very different. Very different. Very different. Space and spell jammers are very different, as Terry would know from his campaign. Um <laughs> And so there are a lot of creators pushing back. I, Daniel Kwan tried to, it seemed like, but because he was online, he was one of the big voices that was saying the virtual attendees are getting the short end of the stick. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. bar none. Like, they had audio issues, which is just par for the course if you have online stuff. So I don't really want to, like, criticize Wizards that much. Like, should they have had more IT support? 100%. But they That's were also... That's true with any corporate meeting, though. It's hard to, like, exactly. like, you should hold them accountable for that. But also, it's like, listen, have you ever been on a Zoom call with everybody, everybody else in the office? They don't give a fuck. <laughs> exactly. And so we can't really blame them for that. They also, I don't have it in the outline, but I do want to say, um, f for the latter half of the summit, they did have ASL interpreters as well. 
which was very highly praised by people who went there. So kudos was it just because like them. the first one it wasn't available, or did someone like halfway through like, hey, we need to get some ASL? It was here. because of what well, was because of the audio issues. Because also at the beginning of the summit they had video issues with the oh, online attendees. So the in person people had ASL the entire time, oh, but the online people, I got gotcha. gotcha. yeah, could not, which stinks. But again, it's sometimes it's out of your control, even if you do have IT people on mm-hmm. staff working their butts off um and because of this audio issues video issues a lot of the online attendees including um daniel kwan who kind of i want to say led the online charge but was very vocal in his thread about how he felt that online attendees were being ignored in favor of in-person attendees so that was like 75 percent of the people who were asking questions were just they felt as though they were being ignored Mm -hmm. And so they actually had to, and thankfully this happened at all, um, the online attendees had to connect with the in-person attendees to filter through their questions. Uh, I mean, kudos to those people being like, hey, like, let's link up, but that's that's shitty that they had to. The fact that they had to really sucks. And again, it, it sounds like an organizational thing. It sounds like they didn't anticipate or have the proper resources in place to be like okay here's where we're going to talk to the in-person people and here's where we're going to talk to the online people and like have space for both it just seems like it was a free-for-all and so naturally the only people the people that they heard from in person would get first dibs because online has lag online has issues who's even filtering through the questions from like the online chat because they online people didn't even have access to mics Right. From what I understand, it was a chat, but like who's filtering the chat answers. So it was just very poorly. It was an organizational problem. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Sure. Like at that point, if it's going to be a summit and we're going to do this meet and greet, we're going to talk and we actually want to hear your thoughts. And that's the trial run. Why have it in person at all? Why is this a hybrid event? Yeah, that's also that's a good point. Like who like they flew out the people, the, the attendees who were there who were from out of town, they flew them out. They paid for their hotels. It was very transparent that they are flying people, these influencers out to go to this summit and they're paying for everything. And like, it, it did. I don't know. Is there something to be said about, oh, we paid for these people to be here. We need to get in on our investment. Like screw the online people, not probably maliciously, but like maybe giving precedence to the people they paid for. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's I always know. a little bit of that. Like, when corporations try to act like it's not that, it's like that. I've been paid to go to events. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like that, the, you're trying to control the narrative best you can, you know, and that's why that's it's partly i understand the idea behind this but that's when you have like journalists talking about yeah i would not have gone to this right because like there is an ethics uh policy issue there um Mm -hmm. and that's not saying that these people don't matter by any means like this is good that they're talking to the community but there is a reason why they're like we're gonna pay for everything don't worry about it it's all good come talk to us yeah and we talked about that when it was first like Mm -hmm. the the situation first came to light right like it's unfair to call influencers or content creators who invited it's really unfair to call them corporate shills it's unfair to like call them super unbiased but it is a valid criticism to just be like listen we as the public know because you have all been very transparent with this we know they're paying for you we know that may have some sort of influence we don't know how much like on your um opinions of them but from what i've heard online it seems like a lot of pushback happened across the board so from the influencers who were invited either in person or online people were like we came here 
to push you and to <laughs> ask you questions about all the controversies and we are you're essentially sitting us through a PR event. Mm -hmm. So there is this big like pushback. And again, we're getting our information from influencers too. So I feel like we have to acknowledge that bias as well. The influencers are telling us this stuff. The call is coming not... from inside the house is what you're saying. <gasps> is that Alyssa? It's a me. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a loud Lissa. Oh my God. Lissa, are you there? Are you there? Yes. Are you alive? Yes, okay. I am. Okay. I am so here. I am alive. I'm so glad. You're also very loud, so I need to turn you down. <laughs> Excuse you. Um, you're not allowed <laughs> to turn me down. <laughs> so to catch you up, we're now moving on. We're at the Summit Spectacular, Lissa, uh, and we have just gotten to the part where um, – we're just giving background to the event. We're just finishing it up. And we're just talking about the expectations versus reality and how the uh, the influencers, while they had a lot of pushback, like they were pushing mm -hmm. back, like, hey, don't call this a PR event or don't, mm -hmm. why are you putting us through a PR event? I was just about to bring up the point that we're also hearing all of this from influencers and from the content creators who were invited. So while I'm totally on their side, like from pretty much the offset, you got to acknowledge that they are also biased in that they are, they want to paint, they may not want to paint themselves as like heroes or anything. That's kind of unfair to say because the internet kind of, or a big part of the internet was like, they're corporate chills and blah, blah, blah. Um, mm -hmm. They're also the ones giving us firsthand accounts of this. They're the only ones really able to give unbiased. us accounts for this because this wasn't made exactly. available to anybody else. So. Exactly. I really, I want, a, I wish that they recorded it so that, people could just interpret what they saw from a completely unbiased, like, hey, I didn't attend this event. I'm just listening perspective. But as of right now, nobody's allowed to release any recordings they have. They were allowed to record for note-taking purposes, but nobody was allowed to, um, like, publish what they saw. So we getting an unbiased account of this event is impossible, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, so we have to acknowledge that. So, but Lisa, you got in just in time for us to talk about what they actually talked about in the event. So are you, are you ready for this, Ooh, Jelly? Tell me, tell me everything. <laughs> okay. Um, hopefully I get, hopefully that was enough background of like the vibe, expectations versus reality, who was invited, what they were doing and like the, you know, virtual versus in-person biases. Um, so the, I'm going to start with PR because that's the least interesting thing. Um, but there were some updates and some of their things that I thought were worth mentioning because sure. Wizards of the Coast did kind of paint this as like a PR event meets will answer some of your questions. But it wasn't all about answering questions. It was also about PR. And maybe people are interested in this. I don't know. I just picked out the things that I thought were interesting and were worth pointing out. So the first thing, D&D &D Beyond. Mm -hmm. Um they acknowledge that they are still going through all the growing pains after acquisition, which we knew. But what I thought was also interesting is they announced that they are going to be working towards um, getting indie publishers on the site and able to maybe monetize their content and um, partner with people to publish on D&D Beyond. So outside of Wizards themselves, which I thought was interesting. Um, nothing's concrete, but they are like taking the steps to maybe have like a cobalt press on there or a Darrington press, which is critical roles offset, like being able to access that content on D and D beyond. Yeah. It's still a so, cool. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, they also talked about their more digital content drops. So they just dropped. What did we talk about last week? The Minecraft one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So more digital content drops like the Minecraft partnership or like miniature adventures. I think they are planning to release or already have released like a small spell jammer adventure. So they're also going to be doing more stuff like that. That so now that there they were several other tie-ins to it, the movie as well. They put on yes. BTT. Do they have any adventures that came out? Because I know not, that stat blocks came yeah, out. Yeah, not yet. I don't think that they put it. I, I, they have announced one, but they, I don't think it's out yet. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. I wouldn't be surprised if they did a bunch of tie-ins to the movie yeah. now that it's out. And people are, if they haven't seen it already, they're going to be seeing it soon. And maybe want to play that adventure or see those characters like in written format that could be interesting 100 sure. also if you're wondering where's your coverage of the D movie we talked about the stuff we talk about next week we'll give us some thoughts next week on it um but we're gonna record a patreon special over there uh as soon as lissa has seen it yeah lissa get on it i'm working on it okay <laughs> just, just go to the theater by yourself today. just 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 dropping it <laughs> <laughs> Just get I, I actually in Finland I don't think they have the D twenty um popcorn things yeah, do they? I don't I, I, don't, I don't think AMC I don't is active in Finland, No, I don't think so. so. Yeah, probably not. So oh. go fly to a country with an AMC. <laughs> God, what's up? You mean America? America. Yeah, come to no, America. Do not come here. Yeah, don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> there are other AMC locations. You don't have to come here. Don't Listen, I know that you don't like me that much, but I like you, and I don't want you to be <laughs> shot at, which is a really high probability when you come to our country. I mean, uh, I could make an awful joke, but I'm not going to. Moving on. Moving anyway. on. Let's just, uh, like, just like a moment of sincerity. Like, don't come ooh, here. Like, that's, that's okay. Um, She was just here. So, I mean, like, she's Go already back. <laughs> she went with Terry. She went to Florida. Like oh. she's she's been to the trenches. I know, right? Anyway, <laughs> every time somebody comes back from Florida, I just hug them so hard. I'm like, you made it. <laughs> like, are you okay? <laughs> oh God, I just got a text message literally today from a friend who lives in Florida who says it, things are really bad here. Um, we're gonna move, and they've lived in Florida their whole life. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh, buddy. <laughs> my cousin Jenny, uh, my buddy, she was just like, oh, I, I just got back from Florida. I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, why wouldn't I be? And I was like, where did you go? And it was just Disney World. And I was oh, like, well, okay, good. good. That's like the safest place you could be. That's mm. true. The mouse will Lisa, protect you, you. I mean, Lisa, you went to NASA, right? Yeah, I went to um, the NASA space station. Okay, that's pretty safe. <laughs> I think the Earthbound one, though, for the record. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, the the, 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 the one the the launch pad, not yeah. the one on the. <laughs> when you say space station, people were like, "Hold on, though, what?" <laughs> not, not, the one, there, not the one on the moon. Wait, no, that's not the one. It's not the one floating <laughs> up in space. <laughs> I thought the I Mars rover. God. I I saw pictures of it, and I saw like you know images Ew. and rockets and stuff like that, but you know wasn't in them. <laughs> Anyway, speaking Speaking of technology that scares me, well, let's talk about virtual tabletop. (laughs) Um, Moving on with that great transition to VTT, uh, which had a couple of updates. 
which a lot of people were really excited that VTT, the D&D's virtual tabletop, is confirmed to not be a video game, which apparently was a very big concern, which I didn't know about, but it was confirmed. It's not a video game, and everybody's like, oh, I'm so relieved. I'm like, were people Unreal worried? Engine 5, people yes. were really worried. They're like, do I have to? It's like, I have to like, boot up my Xbox? Like, what is this? Like, I don't play video games. I yeah. just play D&D. Yeah, it was confirmed, and I saw that because I didn't know it was using Unreal Engine 5, and I think Lissa was on the call with me when I, I saw that tweet. I'm like, Unreal Engine 5? I'm not going to be able to run that. <laughs> like, you on don't my listen to me. I covered this last no. week on the show, and I was no, like, I yeah, it's an Unreal Engine 5, and you guys were like, I don't know what that is. Like, what? <laughs> I know what Unreal Engine 5 I know, is. I know that it's a, a lot. It just shows that you, you're not listening to me. That's my point. You were doing, oh, I, Terry's talking. Attention. I don't know what he's talking about. Goodbye. Unless pay attention. you need to, you need to use like something. You need to reel me you, in. You need to. You need to, the... you need to say. You need to say. Speaking of elves, and then follow. And then just, you exactly, want. I was gonna say I'll do the TikTok thing where I put like an end, endless runner below your screen, um, uh-huh. so, so your ADHD will allow you to somewhat focus on me mm-hmm. as I'm talking. So I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Or like or just, uh-huh. jumping or just on lead Minecraft. With elves. Yeah. Lead with elves and then just go into whatever it is and not elves playing Minecraft and then you'd be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Ethically ambiguous elves. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. It's using Unreal Engine 5. Unreal mm-hmm. Engine 5, yes. So there was feedback from the summit um, about optimization for that exact reason for lower spec computers and people specifically who have higher spec computers but who stream. And who are running multiple programs like OBS or Audacity or um, what was another one? Or Discord at the same time to like, how are you going to optimize a game to street or not a game, a virtual tabletop in Unreal Engine 5 for streamers who would like to stream it, but maybe it can't run at the same time as all these different things. Apparently, they hadn't thought of that yet. So they're just like, oh, thanks for the feedback. We'll, we'll do that. I'm it, like, you it hadn't blows my that? mind. Right? Like, one of the reasons what? why you get into, like, D20 being so popular is because you can just open it in browser. It's fucking yeah. quick on a little grid. Like, anybody can run it. Like, so many gamers, um, like, tabletop gamers don't have an expensive rig. Like, I ran yeah. into that back when I was first playing a digital game. We were like, well, let's run D20. And even some people could not, their Chrome couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Like, they could not yeah. do D20. Like, so it just went back to theater of the mind. Like, it just wasn't worth that. So now they're going to go, yeah. yeah, run Unreal Engine 5, right? Like, everyone can do this. It's got ray tracing. <laughs> it's going to look so good on your fucking yeah. calculator. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Listen, so you can definitely run so this, strange. right, on your Mac? Yes, uh, absolutely. This will be no problem whatsoever. Listen you know, weirdly, in my voice. Weirdly, they didn't bring up any Mac optimization, which makes me think that maybe Macs <laughs> won't even be able to run it. It's hilarious. Take us back it's, to the two thousands. It's not like I'm having trouble gaming on a Mac anyway. To begin, oh with. never <laughs> you. I wouldn't have thought. You've been ray tracing on that thing forever. Like the first time I heard it, you're just like overclocking. <laughs> You got all the pixels. Uh, you can't even run fucking Excel on your computer, and they want you to run <laughs> Engine Five. I just, I, it's flabbergasting. Yeah, like, like, it's flabbergasting. No it's strange. Um, they, but also some better news with the VTT report. We move on to the real meat juice. Is uh, you can <laughs> it's in the you doc. Man- you have to say meat juice. <laughs> I know. Well, it's, it's from Slovenly Trolls. We talk about you know the real good, good meat, stuff, the meat you know? juice, the juice meat, the, the juicy meat, juice, meat. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you get it. Um, so you can manually input or you will be able to manually input other system mechanics. So it's going to be built with whatever version of D&D is out at the time that it comes out, which one D&D 5.5, whatever the fuck it's called. It'll be built in with that, but there will also be tools for you to input stuff like Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, any other um, bespoke system that you want. It will take time, but they will have tools for it, which is a good thing. Um, and they also made a point about uh, character creation, having true inclusivity at the forefront. So if you are creating characters like your D&D character, they want to give you as many options as possible to make it feel as true to the character as possible. And that is a big emphasis, which I think is a great thing, which mm-hmm. hopefully means it'll be good with skin tones from launch, unlike The Sims 4. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> gotta have a Sims 4 dick in the skin tones. Right? Don't worry. Like, they're just, there are no black people in The Sims. Everybody knows that, Shari. No, never. And if they are, they're really ashy for some reason. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, oh, we can't go down the Sims being like this. <laughs> listen, I will start to riot. It's too deep. Uh, uh. Last two points. there. It was confirmed that influencers will be part of the beta, so they will get access to a beta during playtesting, which I'm assuming, I don't know if they'll get like a streamer-friendly version. Like maybe they will be able to stream it like the, what, they're do, what they were doing with Baldur's Gate 3. Like it'll just be like an early access thing mm-hmm. and you could stream it. Or if they're just going to playtest it, it was unclear. But they will have content creators as part of the playtesting. Soon which, they said, right? Like Soon. Like, I don't, they so didn't give an exact timeline. They didn't give an exact timeline, which is smart, but they said soon, <laughs> which can mean a lot of things. Can I do a quick aside here? So I've been yes. using Tailspire now. Um, I got into that early and uh, from Dimension 20. Like that's that's the mm-hmm. recommendation I would have if you want really cool bells and whistles, virtual tabletop that's full 3D and you can run all these different settings. Tailspire is the way to go. Why the fuck didn't they just buy something that was already working? I don't. That's a great question. I have a theory, and it's the last point I have. Okay, it's sorry. that somebody on the call. No, no, it's fine. It's a good point to bring up and a great like way to end it. Is like there was a one of the presenters was really excited about the prospect of people making machinimas from their VTT, and I'm like machinimas. You yeah, mean so, like video yeah. game like music videos? So that had me thinking, because when I think virtual tabletop, I thought something like Tailspire. I thought something like, oh, you can see the minis and people digitize the minis. But if that, I don't if think that's what Unreal they're Engine doing. 5, they're trying to like, this is going to be a full model of a character. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to look like Divinity Original Sin 2. It's going to look like Baldur's Gate 3, but with tiles and stuff. But it's going to have like full character models. Yeah, you're basically, and I'm just like, you're that have is... your, you can move your um, uh, Fortnite character into yeah. this like because that runs but, on Real Engine 5 so but it's definitely not a video game and it will definitely yeah. work on all computers now that's all, why <laughs> yeah with all uh, different memories with all different yeah you know, like, it just like, sounds like they're shooting I, for the moon with this we're like oh you're gonna be able to direct music videos and you can make full movies of your campaign I'm like that's that's all well that's and good awesome, we don't but... need it to run bro okay. like it's gotta run is... first like, why does this stink of, um, like, I'm mean, I just want to say privilege? <laughs> <laughs> why does this stink of privilege to me? 
of like yeah. and we have the privilege to have money have a good computer be able to like Girl. afford any of this i mean it Got does it. though like i remember when i first started playing D D. Um, I had never played a game, like a tabletop game, that didn't use, you know, D6s. So, like, sure. not having the dice to even play the game, scrounging mm -hmm. up and, like, trying to find someone who I could get a D20 from because they played D&D &D in the 80s. Um, yeah. And, like, that's how my group started. And then the one kid who was a little bit more affluent in the group was, like, I, my dad bought me a whole set of D&D &D dice. And that was the rich kid, right? Like, they could afford to right. get a set of dice. Sure. And every single group has something similar, right? And the idea that, like, you have these online people that are going to be able to play an Unreal Engine 5 on their huge rig, like, they can actually, like, they can go, hey, this matters now to D&D. &D. That's kind of neat, sure. But so many mm -hmm. people, like, like I, I hate to keep, like, hammering on this. They're not going to be able to even open this program. Yeah. And that's why they play D&D, so they don't have to, you know? Like, D &D it's just is so D D is so accessible in its base form and they did also make a point and i will say this they've made this point before they made it again in the summit they don't want btt to be like the face of D, D. they just want it to be an extra tool set or at least that is what they are saying they're very excited about what they're doing they clearly have very lofty goals for it but they do make it clear in most instances that they've talked about this that they're not moving everything to digital right they're sure. always going to have support for pen and paper they're always going to release like hard copy books and tools for people who play in person and don't use any VTTs. This is just supplemental stuff for people who want it or people who play online or whatever. But yeah, it does. I think Lissa hit the nail on the head. It kind of reeks of privilege from like, a, I can afford a computer that can run this. <laughs> right kind like, of vibe have a poor person option like wouldn't this really be easy yeah. to low fidelity mode and it just looks like roll 20 yeah right? somebody did ask after a 2d version and they yeah. said no yeah and that's 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 surprising to me like uh, in my head if you want a, a perfect product that's going to steal the customer base from something like roll 20 which you can't say that dnd is not trying to steal people from other places let's talk about the coffee debacle you know what i mean that is their goal let's get everybody sure. playing on their pl page but like roll 20 is always going to be beat them because it, it's so cheap and so easy mm -hmm. and you can run it on a fucking calculator right like if yeah you, if, exactly. you, if your game at home if you needed to do something in a virtual tabletop like right now you use google sheets but if you needed something a little bit more hands-on you would move to roll 20 you're not opening up unreal engine 5 because none of your party can run it right so mm -hmm. why so uh do you know what dragon quest is have you two ever played dragon quest no it's a jrpg uh like classic like final fantasy it's like a pure okay. Final Fantasy. And with Dragon mm -hmm. Quest Eleven, which was their last really, really big one, it was a full 3D RPG open world. But because it's still Whoa. a JRPG and it's turn-based, they basically put out a 2D version of it, too. It's the same game. Oh, it's just like you nice. can just switch it over to pixel mode, and it's now it's a 2D JRPG like you're playing on your Super Nintendo. And That's rad. It is rad, and it allowed that game to exist in many places that the full 3D version just could not. Right. And, it and, broadens and, your scope. Exactly. And this idea that they're like, no, we're not even doing a 2D version. Like, what do you mean? Like, that's so Yeah. <laughs> like, again, I hate I hate to bring up The Sims 4 again, guys. But listen, there's a reason why The Sims 4 has lasted as long as it did. And it's because it can run on really shitty computers. Run it fucking Excel, right? Like, that was the thing of, like, yeah. Age of Empires back in the day. Or Roller Coaster Tycoon. The yeah. poorest fucking people whose PC couldn't do anything still had Roller, roller Coaster Tycoon. Because yeah. it could run on anything. Mm-hmm.
Exactly. All right. I, I, sorry. We we're gonna keep doing this <sighs> we all gotta, day. Move on to the. We OGL. could. Yeah. I'm sorry. When I just you, when you when you talk about privilege, we go off. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know why we, we so of all people. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's only a couple points about the OGL. So this is like the the prelude to the meat juice because there really wasn't a whole lot about the OGL. Um, so there were calls. Nobody. I don't think it was specifically said who um brought this up but someone did ask and multiple people did report this the threads that will link that somebody asked for somebody to take responsibility for the OGL like yeah. who like what what led up to this give us a play by play give us your side of the story basically and wizards brushed them off and they said of they they were told to refer they were referred to the video response that they made or like the the sorry not the video response the response like their official responses online response, yep yeah. yeah refer to this like they weren't they had the perfect opportunity to just be like listen this is how we fucked up and they did not do that so either they i think it's they know they fucked up and they know they would have digged themselves a bigger hole so they just didn't talk about it but also ignoring the problem isn't doing them any favors either which is great. Uh, and uh, only two more points, really. They did, they got a question about, because people are still very worried about original character art and art that is of a D&D character, or like a D&D race specifically, like of a tiefling. Like if they do fan art and they publish it online, do they still have legal rights over their own art? And they, Wizards of the Coast did say that legal clarity is coming. So that is good. They are aware of it and of that problem and they want to fix it and wizard of the coast did make after the ogl discussions were kind of winding down which was a very small portion because this is really all there is to it they when people are like what are you going to do to rebuild trust and they're like oh don't worry we're working on it but all they said was uh, they're just going to engage directly. They didn't say what steps specifically they were going to take. They didn't say like anything concrete. They just said, oh, we are just going to keep engaging directly with the community, which is something. But also at this point, I think most of us would have wanted something more concrete. But that's just <laughs> my opinion personally. And I think some people's opinions who were there getting very wishy-washy about it it was very clear that they did not want to talk about the ogl which shocking <laughs> shocked <laughs> i mean uh, I, it's probably not that the people there didn't want to talk about it it's more probably more like the higher ups told them not to talk about mm. it because there was no way that they would be able to politically get out of it yeah <laughs> with their reputation intact sure yeah, I think they, there's definitely a heavy-handed corporate influence on the event, which is probably also why the disconnect between what, like, the expectations versus the reality of this event and, like, inviting all these influencers wanting to ask these hard-hitting questions about the OGL and then being shot down in favor of, let's talk to you for a half hour about D&D Beyond and Virtual Tabletop, which none of them signed up for to go to. Like, most of the people who were posting about this event – while they knew some PR would be involved, they were still disappointed uh, and voiced their disappointment about how heavy-handed it was and how they felt that their questions were being 
how they felt that PR was being prioritized over their questions, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, all right. This is the one of the last points I have is the meat juice, the juice meat, the, the meaty juices <laughs> is the conversations around diversity and inclusion, which is a lot of when the Q&A portion of the first session of the day and then the last session of the day where the impromptu Q&A session happened, most of the questions that were around those Q&As were about diversity and inclusion, as they should have been. <laughs> Because that's a big hot button issue right now that a lot of the influencers who were invited have been really vocal about. So they, of course, were going to ask these questions. And this is what we found out from them. So the first thing I have down was something that I didn't even realize was an option. Um, but this comes from uh, Daniel Kwan. And he wanted to know if they had any plans, I think, to republish Oriental Adventures or any of their legacy content, um, either porting it over to D&D Beyond or just, like, uh, re-releasing it as, like, oh, here's, like, a special anniversary edition or something. Um, And apparently, they've been looking into it, like, re-releasing their old content without the problematic stuff in it. And they said they're really not going to half-ass it, is the quote that I have. And I just have to say... What content are you going to release from like AD&D to 2E that's not problematic? Because you're going to have to rewrite everything. <laughs> like, then, what do you mean? What does that mean? That was a big part <laughs> of when they came out with the Spelljammer stuff. Like, they, they're only they're only addressing part of it, right? Is they're going, oh, we're yes. not going to half-ass it, so we're not going to leave more racist shit in there is what they're saying, it, part of it. But also, so if you take out a lot of the racist shit, you don't got a lot left, right? Like, that's... Yeah, really, exactly. Like, I was about <laughs> to say, like... Except what's Oriental Adventures. Left? What'd you say, yeah, Lisa? Go what, ahead. No, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, like, if you take out the problematic content, you're going to have to rework a lot of it because <laughs> what's going to be left? There, there's not a lot there. And even once you do that, it's, it, it, and not, I'm not trying to downplay that at all. That's definitely the biggest issue. That's really the thing that matters. But even when you look at it, like, the Spelljammer thing wasn't even a good product taking away the Hadozi. It had mm-hmm. half the shit that was in the original Spelljammer that made it somewhat interesting. Um, yeah. Almost none of the mechanics, and uh, it didn't even have the space stuff. Like, you couldn't travel from their ships based on that book, which is the whole idea from the Spelljammer. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, you'd have to rework it on a number of levels. Does it become worth yeah. it? And that's when they say we're not going to half-ass it. I don't believe you. I don't believe them either because I I thought of the exact same thing about how disappointed people were mechanically with Spelljammer. And I think the next, like, if you want to call it this test subject for this is going to be Planescape because they are redoing Planescape, which is a very mm. beloved setting. And from what mm. I understand, I think um, How Not to DM covered this in his thread about how Planescape is also going to be released in three books, very similar to how they did Spelljammer. And I'm like, oh, okay. So now people are automatically going to compare it to Spelljammer and it has to do better or else people are going to be rightfully mad about them cutting corners because it's also a very beloved setting from a while ago that has issues and has a lot of cool stuff in it. From what I understand, I don't know much about Planescape personally, but we might do episode on it for the Slovenly Trolls eventually because we haven't really even touched it, but I think all eyes are on that one for something like this 
like re-releasing old content without the problematic stuff in it and i hope they don't re-release something like oriental adventures going to daniel kwan's like concerns i really hope they don't do that um and if they want to release a setting that has asian influences that they work with people like daniel and they work with people who you know that's their you know culture (laughs) to release it but i don't know yeah that was weird i wasn't expecting them to talk about legacy content but they did and it was very strange (laughs) and confusing but i'm glad that now that's on the table and something to look out for i guess hooray yay uh the next point i have is again Another baffling thing is about sensitivity readers and review, which has also been a very hot button issue since Hadozi, really. Um, The Hadozi incident in all caps. Um, Previous, it was established that the previous process, uh, this is according to How Not to DM. um, Apparently, the previous process for sensitivity reading fell on writers, which they didn't go into what that meant. But Lissa was on the call with me when I found that out. And I'm just like, are you joking? <laughs> like, is that a joke? Mm-hmm. Like, you're asking the people who are writing the stuff to know if their own stuff is problematic? Yeah, are that, you that kidding? That works out in all cases. I, I don't see a problem with this. Um, um, <laughs> never has I mean, a writer said something problematic. Um, no. It's it's just yeah, like just... how it's a really good idea to have a writer do their own editing, anyways. You know, <laughs> a second pair of eyes really That's doesn't. what I told Lisa. Doesn't really yeah, gain it's... anything. So it's like it's like only having one perspective on a thing. It's always mm, a good idea, the and then to it's publish like director... it immediately. Exactly, a director just makes a movie. You don't need everybody else looking. At yeah, it. you don't need other people there to give their opinions also, on like, On the like, what I I think I brought this up when I first heard this, Alyssa. But I think it's a question worth repeating. What writer in their right mind thinks that they are the best editor for their work? I've met some who are like this, so I know. That there are writers out there who think they are their best editors. They are wrong, but they do think that. Um, But, like, for a team of people who is working with a setting like this, who who is just this collaborative environment with all these people from all these different departments, and game design writing is so different from narrative writing, and you have to make all these different – like, what – it's so – what writer in their right mind would think that everything they put on the page is totally okay? Not just from like a sensitivity standpoint, but just from like a grammar standpoint. I, I just couldn't wrap like, my mind around that. You get a job, you get a gig writing, and uh, they go, I, like, I've had jobs where I go, okay, well, who do I pass this off for editing? And they're like, oh, no, if it's good, post it. Yeah. Um. You know, like you've been, you've seen that too. Like I've seen it. I have a gig like right that right now where the only right. editor is the person who's who I'm writing for. I'm like, just check this over, and make sure it's good. It usually isn't. And they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. Post. I get right. paid anyway. Exactly. <laughs> like, and that, and that's the point, right? And then when you get into the the problematic, there like the sad part about privilege is you don't often pay attention to the fact that it exists and that it could be problematic, right? So. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're seeing it from that lens, you go, well, why wouldn't they check? Well, I don't know. No one's telling them that they're awful or their yeah. voices aren't heard. Mm-hmm. Why would they think that? 
because our, our our systematic privilege, at least here in the states, right? There's no one to question it. That's why it's such a, a heavy um, issue. Is that there's mm-hmm. no one in that process going, hey, maybe like let's experience some empathy for people that don't have your station. That doesn't exist. So why would they ask that question? That's yeah. why you need the cor- That's why you need these consultants at a corporate level. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have them. So of course when you go, well, it falls on the writer. Like, well, only a really good writer is going to say, Hey, I need, I need consultants because I, I am not this person that I'm writing for. Right. Like I need to yeah, make sure that this is okay. But then th- say that, say that that writer did exist there. Now with what money are they going to hire uh, a yeah. consultant on a writer's Has salary? Good fucking luck. <laughs> and it comes out of your end, right? Because they're saying it yeah. falls on them. They don't have a stipend for it, you know. There's no. No, budget. of course not. So and I'm sure the department were, doesn't have it either. Exactly. That's like even if they were like thinking, I need to do this. Good luck, you know. And that's it's so disappointing to say oh, it falls on the writers. Okay, well then go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself. That's not how writing works, and that's not how good content is produced. Sorry about it. Like every behind every writer, like great writer is a great editor. Like, you can be an amazing, like, I I say this for, I mean, the example I have before I move on, like, if you want to do a direct comparison, is, like, Sarah J. Mass. She's an okay writer. I like what she has written up till this point. She has a very niche audience, and she writes very well for that niche audience. The last couple books she's published are not good. And I'm saying that as somebody who liked her early work, specifically because whoever's editing her books is not cutting her work down. Like, she could cut her books in half in content, but because she probably gets get paid by the gets paid by the page, she doesn't. And like there's like 200 pages of unnecessary content that should be cut down by a good editor to make the book better and to make the work better, but it's not happening. So it's kind of like that. It's like you could be a great writer, you can have an established thing, but if you don't have somebody telling you no, I don't I don't know what to say, really. <laughs> Like, what is Sarah J. Mass right? Is it the Crescent City? Yeah, she that's her that's her stuff that's not good in my opinion because I couldn't even get through a hundred pages because nothing happened. Um, oh, but she, she Throne of a Court of Thorns and Roses, A Court of Thorns and Roses, a Throne of Glass. They are great for what they I, are. I, she knows her genre very well. They, but they were a little bit more steamy than I was expecting back in the yeah. Day. Court that of Thorns and way. Roses is steamy. Throne got, of Glass is nasty. And I was like, oh, this is spicy. I didn't. I did not. Who handed like, you oh, a yeah. Court of and roses uh, i wouldn't do that this was uh i was in like a little book club um at at my old job shout out to my colleagues back when i was working in automotive writing and uh everyone was talking about it and i was like oh i love fantasy and they're like yeah check this out like, this is just oh, this is, uh, oh my the god part? they're like well they fucked on the ceiling i'm like oh okay cool uh i mean it's fey and it's like a fey court but like it's just spice like yeah. it's just it's fairy porn which yeah. is great for what it is if that's what you're looking for but if you're not expecting that you're I like um <laughs> listen i'm so, that is hilarious and then, then they're like and there's more and i was like oh is it like a different story they're like no it's just from a different perspective i was like this is <laughs> yeah. the most wop fairy porn but from a different perspective i was like it's the same story they're just like this is the other yeah. angle like of the porn yeah. and i was like oh okay this is your thing and i yeah I, this is more power to you i i'm not I don't have anything to I, add to this book. <laughs> I love fairy porn when it's written well, but I would not hand Terry a fairy I porn. I thought book. that name sounded familiar. <laughs> he said that. I was like, I know that name. 
She's uh, good at what she does for her niche, but even I would argue <laughs> at this point, my point was that like she's still writing in that genre and doing like but she just isn't doing in my opinion as well anymore writing wise because like nobody's cutting her down. And yeah, same with Cassandra Clare. Important. She was good at what she did in her niche, but at this point the editors aren't cutting down their stuff and it's just a bog to get through. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, now I gotta look up uh, Cassandra Clare. Chain of Thorns is it the same world? Mortal Instruments is what she's Mortal- best known Oh, for I don't like that one either. That, I know that one. <laughs> uh, okay, so last Moving couple on. points on sensitivity readers and review. Um, so now the. Moving on from, oh, it used to be the writers, the new processes, which should have, this just sounds intuitive to me. Uh, The entire text is sent to reviewers to ensure as many people as possible see the first draft. And I'm like, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. But all right. (laughs) And they also say that they are working with sensitivity consultants from the offset, which, yeah, you should have been doing that from the offset. But okay. (laughs) I'm glad uh, they realized. I'm just <laughs> glad they realized. It took them uh, this long, but I'm glad they're there. I think they realized that it might be a problem, but they didn't want to fix it until the boat was already sinking, you know? Yeah, why would I, until uh, they were the being line, held accountable. They, yeah, exactly. Why <laughs> yeah, would they exactly. Uh, so feedback is collected, revisions are made, and then reviewed again. Again, that just sounds like an editing process to me, fam. It just sounds like you have bad people on your team who don't know how to edit stuff, which well, they just didn't have you probably... You probably don't. Like, some of the stuff that 5e has produced has been good so far. It's just when you get to the niche of other cultures and, like, rewriting things that are problematic, just that's when you gotta, like, be smart about it. But I don't know. And we're not uh, saying that everybody has to be an expert on every single culture. No, like, it's not a surprise of course not. That you, don't, that you didn't know that was insensitive. The, uh, the problem yeah. is when you don't have anybody looking at it to tell you, hey, this might be insensitive. Exactly. At least they are changing it now, but it sucks that we had to get to this point in order for them to do it. Uh, the last point I want to make, which was just surprising to me about sensitivity reviewer, readers and reviewers, is that um, uh, it was kind of like a throwaway comment, but I wanted to point it out because nobody seemed to talk about it. Art and sketches are also sent to reviewers, which in my mind implied they weren't before. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, art didn't go through somebody to be like, yeah, that looks all right, which... I mean, explains why some, you know, early fifth edition artwork still has like very weird sexist art in it. Yeah, most which, most of the time so. with art, like, and you've worked with, like, picture like like working with me, right? Like, yeah. It, you, sometimes you feel lucky that you even have an artist or where the budget comes from, so you'll be like, yeah, it looks good. Like, you don't want to like art's subjective, so you don't want to say, oh, this looks bad or it's not what I'm looking yeah. for. So there's already difficulty there. You get into corporate art. The way that that works is like you have somebody who has decision making power. Nobody else says shit. If Ugh. that person likes it, everyone gives a thumbs up. That's and so dumb. It is. It's a terrible process, and that would happen all the time at the bigger companies. Um, <laughs> and and then eventually you get somebody and be like, "Hold on, so the car is red, but like this is a black and white photo, but they're putting red as like the main feature." This is a terrible example that stuff like this doesn't happen, but things along this line happen all the time. Sure. And so we had to go like, hey, can you make sure this works in grayscale? And they're like, nah, I already, you already paid for all of your revisions. I'm a third party contracted uh, artist. Oh. And shit. so it just goes and it looks like shit. And then you get in trouble because the, <laughs> the person who's 12 levels above you said, we're using this artwork. I like that car is red. 
um, <laughs> in the end of end of discussion. That happens a lot when it comes to art because the intersection of, of art and commerce uh, doesn't go well. I mean, that explains a lot with how, like, even though the art is better after, like, fourth edition, I want to say. 3.5 has very problematic art in a lot of places. Um, but after fourth edition, it gets a bit better. But there's still instances of, like, boob plate armor where it's just like, this shouldn't be here. Do you not want them to like... protect their boobs? I hear this every time I listen to Slavenly Trolls. I'm just like, guys, <laughs> you want know boobs to get cut off? Because that's what you're asking yes. for. God. I don't even get it. God, I'm so sorry. Did I not know it was enchanted <laughs> bikini armor that gives the same stats as a full thing of plate? I'm so sorry. And the dragons need to have boobs. You just don't get it. I just don't get it. It needs more snitties. More snitties. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just it explains a lot. And I just don't think a lot of people were talking about this reviewing process as much on like not just a sensitivity consultant perspective, but just like Period. in general, yeah. their editing process just seems real weird. And I just wanted to point it out because nobody's talking about it. Um <laughs> There is uh, another point brought up about marginalized hiring and internal promotion. I believe this was Daniel Kwan's question that was at first interrupted in favor of a question about VTT specs, talking oh about the God. like in-person versus online people. I think it was an in-person question that got favored. Mm -hmm. But later, I don't know who filtered it, but uh, Daniel Kwan worked with an in-person attendee who re-asked the question. And um, we did get an answer that um, they are looking at hiring basically the best person for the job, which is a very corporate answer. Uh, but they did say how they're doing it, which is more of a concrete answer that we got for a lot of stuff in that they are kind of nixing asking uh, for certain leadership positions to have 10, 15 years of experience because they recognize that mostly people in leadership positions who have had leadership positions for 10 to 15 years are mostly cis white men yeah, because marginalized true in groups like every are industry. exactly it's true in every industry Shocking. it's real bad Shocking. and because mar marginalized groups are often overlooked for those roles and they acknowledge that and they're like we're phasing that out and we're we're basing it on portfolio we're basing it off of these other factors that I don't have written down but they have a very concrete plan in place to make sure the best people possible get hired and that they're not filtering out people because they were passed over for leadership opportunities up till this point in their career, which is a That's good thing. Good. And I want to acknowledge that. Fuck yeah. That, that like shows that they have actually done work and planned yeah. it out instead of going there with nothing and bullshitting mm -hmm. on the spot. That, that's like a concrete plan that they've talked over, thought about, discussed, mm -hmm. and they have a plan that they can put into action. These are like steps that they can take, which I wish they'd done that for more than just that. Yes. But I'm glad that the bare minimum is <laughs> being covered. Thank you. Right. And even if they, they haven't done it yet, even if, like we have to wait and see like if they actually do that. But that's still that's yeah. a great talking point. And almost, like I said, every single company, at least in America, needs to do that. 
because yes. I, I see it all the time and in the same people get hired because they've been doing it so well i'm like yeah but they did it terrible over there <laughs> like why, why yeah. are they getting this job again because they did it before did you see how good they did it no just that they did it before no. okay that's fine sure exactly and like basing creative jobs weirdly off of portfolios is a good thing <laughs> like don't let years of experience within a very specific environment like <laughs> dissuade you from hiring somebody let their work speak for themselves let their like accomplishments and who they are as a person speak for itself that should just be a hiring process everywhere to be quite honest i know but, i just want to know. rage against like like writing like how many like i know you've gone out and like you've pitched stuff and i'm like yeah come back once you have some credits and i'm like oh is the story yeah like no the story's great but we don't want to publish it until somebody else we don't want to be something. we don't want to be the first time you get published like if you are an established <laughs> writer then you come back so you can like have a better bio or whatever and you're just like fuck you <laughs> like are you kidding me <laughs> like this is what everybody's yeah it's it's the same everywhere it's awful thanks um but i want to reiterate what lissa said it's great that they have this concrete plan but because they have such a great concrete plan it shows that they could have had concrete plans for other things right. but they didn't <laughs> so like what the fuck <laughs> um and the last thing about marginalized hiring and internal promotion is that they are working on an accessibility team. So they are putting accessibility at the forefront. That was a big hot button conversation topic. The release of a fifth edition kit for accessibility was also talked about. So in terms of, you know, all of that, they are making moves in the right direction, which is good to hear. But it kind of sucks that the question was almost forgotten and not even addressed because it was, you know, posed by somebody who was in the online chat. So kudos again for the people who were working together to get that question answered because we got a really good answer. So a uh, couple more points left. Um, so there was a really great point brought up, um, I think, by Nanagon Dice Idriani, I believe her name is. And she was asking about pricing equity in countries that can't afford U.S. prices, yeah. which was such an interesting point that they didn't even think of. So she asked, like, for D&D Beyond stuff, for source books, uh, specifically for, like, I think this was during the D&D Beyond one, so it was more for um, web, uh, like, online stuff and online pricing. Um, making sure that the pricing matches up with whatever economy that they're in. Um, I believe Idriani is from India, so she was specifically coming from that perspective. And the question that she asked, they answered, and they were like, listen, we didn't even think about that, but now we are thinking about it, so thank you. Which, it's good, uh, right? Well, uh, it sucks uh, that they weren't thinking about it. I don't understand, so... This is something I, I'm firmly um, aware of because that was uh, one of my jobs I had when I worked in automotive was mm -hmm. making sure the prices matched in different economies. I worked a lot in the Middle East um, because mm -hmm. a price cannot be what it is here in every country. That's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're unaware of that for for books, number one, books are one of the easiest things because you translate yeah. it and you can sell it in any market. It's and especially once PDFs became a thing and digital PDFs, um, which is redundant, but digital books are a large portion of their revenue. The fact that they were yeah. like, oh, yeah, we didn't even think about price them differently blows my mind. It was the yeah, first, there. first part of every it meeting. Whenever we launched a new product in automotive, I met with like 36 different countries. Yeah, that that just I think that goes to show that their their scope and their focus is on 
America primarily and the Western world. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they don't think outside of this that scope. Which that's so who they're focusing on, right? and which that is very that that's a a bias in itself. Right. Mm-hmm. That's looking at people who have a certain standard of living okay yeah there's different classes of people and people have different kinds of incomes but that's still people who have certain privileges compared to people who live outside of that zone Mm -hmm. and that's excluding everyone in the outside world who lives elsewhere which is a whole lot of people because you know just considering like something like the chinese market that's a population right there or india that's like a humongous part of the population of the entire planet is just in those two countries one percentage difference like it's yeah it's not even Mm -hmm. worth a it's a little over a cent for like what like the if you're talking about like oh u.s dollar versus indian rupee right so Mm -hmm. like it's not even it's not even uh comparable you know when you talk about who can afford what when it comes to the dollar so you're saying like oh we didn't even consider it so did you just never think about selling your books in india was that just the thing that you thought like yeah why Why? they definitely thought about it they just didn't think about like (laughs) the people they they want to be global they want D &D to be the number one ttrpg in the world they 100 percent want it to be global but they don't smarter people then you need smarter economic like economically minded people exactly i'm not super economically minded i i would not like classify myself as a super international businessman but i know the difference between the dollar and the rupee uh you know what i mean isn't 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 Hasbro doesn't Hasbro yes. sell in multiple yeah. different markets exactly outside of the point. U.S. Thank you, Lisa. That's exactly my point. Because <laughs> I, 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 I know I can hear the people at home going, oh, you're talking about automotive. They sell stuff everywhere. And I'm like, Hasbro is the Hasbro. parent company. <laughs> no one on the team is going, hey, guys, like uh, people can't afford this in India because they have a person that knows that. Yeah. Yeah. They just, it just seems like if, if Hasbro does Hasbro hasn't been communicating with the D&D Beyond team and the online like PDF online release team, which is not it's not like certain people at D&D Beyond's job to think about that. But it it should be one at least one somebody a team of people <laughs> thinking about that. Um, That was maybe not on this call. Hey, maybe somebody is thinking about that. And the person wasn't on the like wasn't on this call wasn't in the summit to say no we have been thinking about that but the people who the question was addressed to were like oh that's a really good point which it is and it's good that it's brought up in this public manner so now if nothing is done people can you know cite this and help hold them accountable like I, i'm not um, saying that they need to have a whole team on it i'm just like i was super low level when it comes to i, I guess technically like middle management i was in like yeah. after sales i did i did logistics stuff for automotive mm-hmm. companies and the fact that, like I, like I said, I met with, like, 36 different markets every time a new product launched to make sure that the decimal point was in the right fucking spot on an Excel sheet mm-hmm. that might not even see public eyes. Like, the fact that they have no one on their team going, oh, hold on. So, like, they don't use dollars there? Like, oh my god that just blows my I mean, mind like it's a it's a great weird bureaucratic point <laughs> like it's oh, just like wait god, this yeah. doesn't we, make any <laughs> capitalist sense anyway exactly. but yes we can talk about privilege good... all day and not knowing that stuff it's a great <sighs> question i'm sorry but yeah it's a great 
no, it's good. It's good that we're covering it and talking about it because it's not something I would have thought of. And now I do think about it and more people should be thinking about it. <laughs> um, and the other one that I was glad to see is that um, species as a term is being reviewed. And I'm very happy about yeah, it. Like you guys educated me on that one when you were talking about it. I was like, oh, I don't see an issue. I feel like that's pretty neutral and like changing my mind on that. And like the fact that other games use things like lineage is just like the mm-hmm. default term. And like, well, why don't they do that? They're like, because we like Apparently, they did say in the summit and it was confirmed that lineage was a runner up. Uh, a runner-up term but the nerd there was like, so actually uh species is technically correct maybe so. yeah and i mean lineage also comes with its you know baggage True. but i i think Not it's better same. than species Not the same um baggage. but it's yeah it's totally different baggage but i thought it was interesting to bring up because like species as a term i think at the beginning was pretty widely accepted yeah like within the first couple of days but then the criticism started coming in about like well if you think about it this way and the rhetoric of this and this is the history of this word um they are still listening to stuff like that and that is a small thing but it's still you take your crumbs where you can get it it's uh, it's encouraging that at least they know and it they said the species is not finalized which i thought is is good yeah um And the last thing I have about diversity and inclusion before we wrap up with a couple of other category things, which I just have to, um, is somebody brought up a really great point of will they will, will they be expanding their inclusivity and diversity team? Because most of the questions that were answered were answered by the diversity and inclusion team. And some of the, some of the answers they just flat out didn't have. And a lot of questions that were directed at other people were just filtered to diversity and inclusion um and so people which is a very like good question to ask that came out of this is like hey these people are taking on a lot of these questions and they are filtering through a lot of this stuff do you have plans to expand this because it can really only benefit you at this point and um they didn't get an answer on that they were given very murky answers of like oh well we give them everything that they need basically <laughs> which is like mm. it's never been true for any role ever no no it is not Under uh, CEO. So... ceo has everything they need yeah they have everything golden parachutes yeah so hopefully that changes hopefully with enough pressure that will change but i thought it was worth mentioning here because even the people who are on this team i think it was clear through this meeting that at least the influencers and the content creators who were uh reporting on this doing threads doing final thought documents and posts they also understood that it seemed like the diversity inclusion team was they have to deal with a lot of stuff and it's kind of unfair to put all of that pressure on one team. It should be multiple teams. And that is a very good point to remember that these are humans. And this is a team of people that's probably not as large as some of the other departments at Wizards or definitely at Hasbro. Mm-hmm. So, you know, putting pressure on um, on Wizards to expand, to give them more resources, to maybe expand communication between departments, which every business could do. I have too many stories about how interdepartmental communication is awful in most places. Um, so keeping that in mind is that this is probably an issue that will be happening going forward is that maybe even the people who are answering these questions and who are tackling it might just be right now underfunded and understaffed, which 
really sucks yeah. if that is the case you know if you don't have the money guy saying hey this is this is what the rupee means you don't you're not gonna know yeah yeah exactly um and then moving on to the last points which kind of ties into this one um wizard of the coast made it clear during the summit that if you have any criticisms of wizards of the coast and the decisions going forward they are making many public statements saying directed at the company, do not direct it at specific people, either in the company or content creators, because Wizards of the Coast as a company has resources to filter through that kind of criticism. Individual people do not. Word. And I thought that was a good public statement to make and an accurate one. And should they have made it sooner before some of the OGL stuff happened? Absolutely. Um, but they are at least in terms of publicly stating things, they are making a statement. Like if you want to criticize anything, criticize the company as a whole, don't criticize specific people. Cause usually it's not one person's fault, Word. which is a good point to make and a good point to remember. Yeah. And I will end on a positive note because there are a lot of criticisms of this event. Um, but they did specifically say in the summit, it has been reported by multiple people who were there that wizard of the coast is firmly against AI content, both in art and in Which any sort of content creation. Awesome. And uh, kind of a little bit of a 180 because they were pushing hard with AI content when they were bouncing around the OGL stuff. And mm -hmm. um, at least I think rumored, I don't know if anything was ever firm. I don't think anything was ever confirmed, but people yeah. were worried because yeah. of the way certain things were worded. Yes. But they have firmly come out against it. I would like to see a more public statement about this on, because I, I, Paizo came out right away, which was the bare minimum they could have done and said, we're firmly against it when the conversations were happening. Wizards didn't do anything like that, but they did make a statement eventually. I just wish it was more public. But the bottom line is they have made a public statement saying that they are against the use of AI in their content creation and are going to be prioritizing human-made content, which, which is, is a good awesome. thing. Um, also, I think we should say like our stance on that because we've now been reached out to by a couple different companies wanting to advertise um, stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we're down to talk about people's games and reviewing stuff. That's super exciting for us. But if you have AI-generated content instead of, of artist-created content – don't don't send it because we're just going to say no i've had to turn down a couple different people you're all really nice mm -hmm. i'm super glad you like the show but i've had too many friends lose jobs to ai stuff yeah um same. it's just i'm, I'm not going to do it uh so don't do it don't waste your time uh sorry good luck find an artist if you want help or or ideas or any sort of advice on finding like artists to create your stuff if you're poor Please reach out. I have tons of info on that. I've been doing it as a comic book writer for a long time. <laughs> I will help you source someone to create your art um, ethically. So so please do that. But I thought we should take a stance because th this is like the third uh, person trying to reach out. Um, oh, going, God. hey, talk about our <laughs> game. And I'm like, I, I won't. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like it was unfair to them. Right? They didn't know that we had that stance necessarily. So I wanted yeah. to put it clear and black and white mm -hmm. yellow and purple we are not gonna advertise ai content nope not in our not in our back not in our wheelhouse not our vibe <laughs> that's right not not in my house yeah damn it not in my house this is miles my role <laughs> free's house <laughs> not in terry's house specifically <laughs> not in my table not on my christian minecraft server <laughs> 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 but uh yeah that's all i have for the summit spectacular um, um 
Yay! Closing thoughts. It was kind of a shit show, but it wasn't as like it wasn't all a shit show. There was good things to come out of it, but I think the m- major thing that people took out of it is that there are very clear diff- like different opinions on what this was. The expectations versus reality were kind of skewed, and um, thankfully, the creators who did go pushed back. And we're able to get some very important questions answered. And hopefully if they do do something like this again, they have learned from their mistakes, either tech wise or who they prioritize questions from, et cetera, organization in general. And I would say even, you know, setting expectations as for what the, what this thing is (laughs) would be great uh, because it's weird when people go in thinking they're going to get their questions about diversity and inclusion answered but instead you give them a 45 minute presentation on virtual tabletop they might get a little bit antsy and weird <laughs> about that and yeah. push you on it so. and another thing is that i don't necessarily know that wizard of the coast or whoever organized this and chose who was attending know the people you are inviting because right. people yeah. like daniel kwan people like um nanagandai so in indriani like they stand for certain values they stand for you know people and like know who you're talking to when you invite them to something and then don't act surprised when they bring you questions about inclusivity and something about privilege and bias and problematic things that you've done like don't act surprised yeah, you invite Connie Chang, the God Killer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. it's a pushback. You you chose these people for a reason. Use them to your advantage. Yes. There's a lot of intellect in that room. There's a lot of wisdom in that room, and they are willing to give it to you. Use their knowledge and their wisdom and to your advantage, and not just be surprised that you're being asked questions that you're not prepared for. Yeah. Hello. And and invite the slovenly trolls next time because I'm not gonna go. Yeah. I was gonna say also like I mean I didn't before but I mean Terry if you brought it up um listen (laughs) if you need any help like uh you know looking through legacy content and making sure that it's not a sexist piece of trash listen I are available. We have a whole podcast, or listen to our podcast and credit us because we've already gone through a lot of your content that's pieces of crap. Um, so we can give you like a little storyboard outline for it. You know, you don't got to do that alone. We'll work with you. And apparently, you might need somebody to tell you what the conversion rate is for Indian currency. Uh, I'm <laughs> it's. I mean, so is Google, but. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for doing this, Char. I feel like I was on a little yeah. mini episode of Slavenly Trolls. It was it was very cool. Um, I know I sent I sent over the uh, the out the ROS, which is basically a Slavenly Trolls outline. I'm like, oh, oh Terry is going to <laughs> Terry's going to feel about how I write my ROS. It's, there's yeah, a lot of text on this page. Yeah, there was, okay, but like good. it was good. good. Like you, good. it was a very in depth thing. Like a lot of times we talk very surface level, and then we dive into sure. a few specific topics. Um, we dive deep. Over I don't do that. Exactly, but in, in, but you also have a longer format show, right? So I I do. This. this is this is my comfort zone. But this was yeah. also good. Mm-hmm. Like I will say that you didn't go too long on any one topic, and you kept it moving. You're a very good host. Thank you very much for fitting <gasps> Thanks. our format. It's almost like I have my own show or something. Right, it's but, real you, weird. but you moved the format, which even if you have your own show, can be difficult to do. That's 
that's very true yeah. how many times do i have to rein you two in go hey we have to we have four other topics we need to cover i mean that's true yeah i think Lisa and i also have to rein each other in on slovenly trolls be like we need we we've already gone over by 10 minutes <laughs> like, we, we, gotta this, stop. we get patreon messages <laughs> going you reined it in like that episode was three hours long <laughs> you would be shocked i have cut things from slovenly trolls that i could compile into a cut content episode but it would be just a smorgasbord of stuff that wouldn't make sense Do it. it would be clips of this clips of that this yeah that, that are hard cut put out the slovenly <laughs> exactly. trolls bits and bobs cut the snyder cut of of slovenly trolls <laughs> it's just lissa and i going ah! <laughs> i've listened to the show it. that's kind of what it is already is how different is we- it <laughs> You know, we do it more, weirdly. <laughs> we cut it from, like, 100 to, like, 80. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing that. If you like this, yeah. head on over to patreon.com slash creations. You can get this show early. You get bonus content. You get additional Slovenly Trolls content. You get less problematic D&D content and other TTRPG content from Char's rewrites every single month. Last month, uh, she did the Nymphs um and we haven't announced what next month's yet is uh i even don't know it's so secret it's so secret because i haven't thought of anything Um. (laughs) ignore the man behind the green curtain (laughs) we we have content out this was recorded six months ago that's how Uh, we're like nostradamus over here we know everything totes Mm -hmm. gosh um uh, but yeah, you can get all that stuff over there for a few bucks. Uh, we appreciate it. Keeps the lights on, keeps the mics rolling. If you want all of our content for free, head on over to campykillcreations.com. Check out all of our other podcasts and comic book stuff. You can also find our podcast wherever podcasts are sold uh, or distributed freely. I don't know how podcasts work. Um, <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> if you if you want to contact us, you can do so. Campykillcreations at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. I'm at Resident Stevel on Twitter, and you can find all of my comic books. T.S. Luther is my pen name. Go buy them. Tweet at your favorite publisher. Tell them to hire me. I appreciate it. Um, Sharday, where can the people find you online? People can find me as the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, where we talk about all the things wrong. We basically do D&D's job for them, uh, looking through their legacy content and <laughs> talking about it and offering ways to make it better. Uh, call us, wizards. We are available. Again, listen. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. And then Lissa, where can the people find you online? They cannot find me online, but I do uh, run the Slovenly Trolls Instagram at Slovenly Trolls, and I do run the Cave Trolls Twitter at Cave Trolls Pod, and I am the worst host of the Slovenly Trolls, the bratwurst, if you will. Sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, come uh, come and find us. This has been the Cave Trolls, and we're out. All right, we're done. You're free. Once again, we have that special time where we get to thank our Patreon producers. Right now, we have Kim Winson, Jeremy Raymond, The Lorax, and Trellbot. Thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics rolling. You keep chicken sandwiches in our pockets, and you keep us having fun on the mic. Thank you so much.